0: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss.
2: I did an escape room early in the year with my friends. We'd spent 15 minutes standing in the corridor trying to get into the escape room, and the woman came over the little tannoy system and said, um, "The doors open behind you. You just need to go in." <laughs>
1: Hi, I'm Anne Marie Maffedon and this is Women Tech Charge from The Evening Standard. We're all about women who do amazing things, and we've got an astonishing guest today someone who has turned the unexpected into the innovative. Emma Lawton is a Parkinson's activist and project lead for apps and devices at Parkinson's UK. Welcome to the podcast, Emma. Thank you for having me. How does one go about getting a watch named after them by Microsoft? Magic and fluke. I want to start in a in a weird place, I guess. Okay. Maybe not as much for you because it, it happened. <laughs> Talk me through how one ends up being diagnosed with Parkinson's at 29.
2: I basically had this kind of weird feeling in my arm for about a year that I kind of ignored. My arm just felt kind of weird and a bit numb and a bit sleepy and I was a graphic designer at this point and every time I was trying to use my mouse I was kind of struggling a little bit and my work colleagues were referring to my hand as the claw and right. you know it was just kind of really there was something not really working mm-hmm. and um, I was at my dad's 60th birthday party and there was a friend there who worked in healthcare and she said you don't swing your arm when you walk there's something wrong with your arm you need to go and get it checked out so right. it was like the worst birthday present ever I said to my dad I'd go and get it checked <laughs> out because he was really concerned about it and had all the kind of scans and everything, and it came back as Parkinson's. They actually told me a few other things that it could be, and it was the one that I was least scared of, because you don't die from it, you die with yeah. it. It's kind of weird, because actually, Parkinson's, you only start to kind of really show symptoms when you've lost about 70% of your dopamine. So basically, so it's all to do with a chemical called dopamine that mm-hmm. controls so many things in your body, and you just don't even realise it controls those things, like yeah. temperature control and mood swings, as well as all the kind of physical stuff. So. It was actually a relief to have an answer for a lot of the things that I'd been worried about, like stuff like kind of, you know, struggling to kind of make decisions quickly and easily okay. and, and things like that. So, actually, immediately it was a relief. And then, probably over the next year, I suddenly realized the gravity of it and that actually I had all these plans for my life. I didn't want to just survive, I wanted to do stuff and actually thrive. And actually, you know, I didn't want to just keep my job. I wanted to get progression and, and do, really well, at it. do yeah. well at it and mm. I just thought there's all these things I've got plans for you know as a 29 year old you don't expect your life to suddenly be kind of to be told that your life is gonna be so much harder no and that you actually don't actually know how much harder it's going to get and how quickly there's no markers for it really. and
1: with something like parkinson's at 29 as well yeah, it's something that old you know disease. it doesn't
2: feel cool at the time you're like there's all these kind of cool illnesses that people can get that you kind of feel. what's it's a like, cool illness i don't know but i just feel like this stuff that's maybe a bit more age appropriate and i just feel like <laughs> parkinson's isn't really age appropriate it's kind of you know everyone's point of reference is their gran or like their granddad and you just yes. think you know, that's not cool. <laughs>
1: Although it's quite, I don't want to say it's quite common, but but there are a number of people who have early onset. More common than you think. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: I mean, I've got friends who were diagnosed at eight. Um, One that was diagnosed when he was at university. I kind of feel grateful that actually I had at least those years of my life without it. So yes. it must be really difficult to be diagnosed with.
1: And so it's opened up a whole new community of people oh, as awesome. well for you. Oh, they They're yeah. incredible.
2: They're such a creative bunch and they're so dynamic and driven, they really pushed me forward. Well, how does Microsoft come into it, though? I saw something on Facebook that was uh, an advert for a TV programme that was being made, and I thought, well, I'll have a bit of that, that sounds good, I'll Why go not? for it. Yeah, Never thought i be an I'd... actress on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Never thought I'd ever get selected for it. Then it just all happened very quickly. There was a woman called Haiyan who was kind of paired up to, with me as my buddy. So yeah. um, we each kind of, every person on the show who needed a fix to happen to them, Um, was buddied up with someone who could help them, who was an engineer or a technologist Mm -hmm. or just an extraordinarily bright person.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, MI and Haiyan.
2: I'm Haiyan Jung. I'm Innovation Director at Microsoft Research in Cambridge, UK. I met Emma you know she's a a graphic designer a creative
1: director really succeeding in her own career but she was unable to uh, write or draw we started working together uh, thinking about well how can we help Emma regain her
2: ability to write she made this amazing watch for me that it's not really a watch it doesn't tell the time but (laughs) it's the easiest thing to describe it as it basically vibrates into my wrist and allows me to write.
1: We'd seen some other devices that people use to help with their symptoms. People sometimes carry a metronome and somehow their brain becomes distracted by the metronome
2: and they're able to regain control. This is a brain hack. It's got quite a space-age kind of looks. It's got like, it's kind of like a regular sort of watch band, like a, I don't know, they're made of like a rubbery kind of strap. Right. And then it's got six haptics, so kind of vibration points that kind of sit on the wrist. Then it's got like a... Do
1: they look like gemstones or something?
2: No, or they're I, hidden, no, sadly. Oh, oh, okay. It's just a very, it's a very plain w- oh, wristband okay. watch. I would put some gemstones <laughs> on it but I think they kill me. <laughs> um, and then it's got kind of a white circle on the top which has my name engraved on it. In, oh. in writing that looks just like my handwriting, but it's not my handwriting, which is creepy. Oh, okay. They just picked a font and it was the same, which is right. weird.
1: Do you still own it? Do you still yeah. use it?
2: I still own it. I don't use it as much, I'll be honest, because actually Parkinson's is a really changeable thing and so now my medication is a bit more balanced. I'm able to write sort of a little bit better and yeah. actually my job role involves less writing but I still love to put it on and draw and you know to use it because I feel so lucky to have it and it's such an incredible tool. We're trying to do some kind of tests and stuff to see if it works with anyone other than me right. or whether it's the most niche piece of technology that's oh ever been goodness. created. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's weird I was actually working over at Microsoft consulting on it for a bit and I'd go in and they'd say what project
1: do you want and I'd say project I'm on? <laughs> You're listening to Women Tech Charge. Subscribe and rate on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Back in a sec. Life is full of
0: what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry?
1: So you're part of this new community, you have Parkinson's, you're acclimatizing to life with Parkinson's Mm. now that you know that's what it is as a graphic designer. Yeah. What does that look like? How did that work career-wise?
2: I was actually working for an agency that um struggled with how to deal with it to be completely honest okay. with you. I think I was kind of lucky that I'd moved more into a creative director role by the time I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. So it was only really when I left there and I started kind of doing freelance work and working in agencies that I realized I actually had a bit of a superpower.
1: So you ended up leaving the agency because they were they were kind of looking past you or they were mm. they were they didn't know how to handle having yeah. someone with they didn't know how to use my superpower yet. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know they. they yeah, they. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> work out. Yeah. It was like a you know lock them up, lock them out. Yeah, of yeah. all The other people's <laughs> superpowers, superpowers, yeah. and even to that.
2: I've done various things over time. So I sort of was a junior designer when I first came out of university. I studied at Nottingham Trent, um, but I always wanted to be an actress when you I was can younger. Still be an actress. I still, I feel like actually my career now, I get to do all the things that I love.
1: The other thing I was going to talk to you about was comedy. Yes. You are a comedian. I'm going to call it and oh, claim okay, it. Okay,
2: fine, I'll go with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, how, what do you enjoy the most about it? Is it is it your kind of dreams of being an actress? I think it is a little bit. Being and realized?
2: I, it's slightly the shock factor as well. The fact that I feel like people can't heckle me. I did a composition <laughs> for the very first time I did comedy. I did a composition, which is one of those foolish things you do, where you just think, I can do this. And I won it. And it was just an awesome thing. So you it? could do it, it wasn't foolish. I know, really oh, but I didn't know that at the time. Oh, yeah. my friend, none of my friends knew it either. I hadn't oh, really, really done that much practice. <laughs> I'd kind of written something about 10 minutes before. And, but I realised that actually it kind of opens up people, it allows people to laugh at you, which is actually good for them and good for me. Right. To actually be able to make light of something that's actually really difficult, makes them learn about it. If they possibly wouldn't have learnt about it otherwise if mm. you'd kind of give them a lecture or it'd been serious. Mm. Actually I think probably some of those people learnt something that they wouldn't have learnt otherwise and um it was brilliant. It was just, you know, no no one he- people were still heckling me but kind of joking with me and it just I go up there and I talk about dating with Parkinson's, I go up there and talk about all sorts of kind of rude and, and things that people wouldn't expect to come out of a girl's mouth who's got Parkinson's and it just, I love shocking people I guess a little bit as well. And it's a, it's a really good medium for, for telling stories I think. You
3: don't look ill. You don't look stupid. I'm <laughs> guessing
2: you have a carer. Um, I've actually found that technology can help me here so if I need food I order delivery. <laughs> If I need to get somewhere, I order an Uber. If I need the lid taking off something, a jar
1: opening, a spider
2: catching, or I'm bored,
1: it's Tinder. <laughs> the shock factor is one thing. I think you're right. The laughter it almost helps helps the medicine go down a little mm. bit more. So it's something. So I speak all the time, and I like to say I'm quite funny, but who, who knows? But there was one time I did a talk, um, and I always talk about technology one way or another. Yeah. And someone tweeted and was like, do you find that the humour helps or hinders the this, this yeah. seriousness of the message? And I remember initially being a bit like, what, what is this person on about? Like, we, did you not find it funny? But you've said yeah. the word humour. So you must have known that there was yeah. a bit that was funny in it. But then ended up replying being like, yeah, like people remember how they felt. Yeah. Um, but also lectures are boring, you need to spice things up, but you'll be the memorable one. The, this is it. But who who wants to be lectured?
2: Exactly. I think that's how I actually got into doing comedy. Was I was doing more and more talks, and yeah. I was there were supposed to be serious talks. I was talking. <laughs> well, not, They were not supposed to be, but you felt <laughs> like the room was expecting it to be. I do like a pharmaceutical conference or something. Okay. And you you'd kind of walk in there and you'd have an hour, and you'd think, well, I'm literally going to go through the whole gamut of like, like I'm going to have every kind of symptom based that I can possibly have during mm. that hour. And actually, I'm going to have to just embrace that and go with it. So you I started kind of just being, <laughs> being quite <laughs> jokey about it. And it just kind of, it got to the point that I realized that I actually just had to embrace it. I couldn't be this kind of businesswoman that stood up there and was polished. That mm. just wasn't me. I had to mm. be human. And and actually, do you know what? That's the great thing about Parkinson's, if you can say that, those words in a sentence. It's a real leveller. I mean, I find I go to events now and, you know, CEO of a big organisation will be sat on the floor talking to me because he wants to be able to see my face. Mm. It's really lovely. And I think I get to be myself a lot more because people, I go somewhere and people see my weaknesses and flaws instantly. They're right. there. For, and so people are the same. They reflect that back and I, I get to kind of know people deeper. And okay. it's a really lovely thing that I never expected to find. That I just think it's made business more human for me.
1: I wanted to ask you as well about the kind of roles that you see yourself or you find yourself doing now. What are the kind of things that you've ended up doing that you're kind of surprised mm. actually that this has opened up those doors?
2: I think the biggest surprise to me was how different I felt about users. Okay. So I um I actually started looking at jobs in service design. So I did a couple of kind of um, temporary contra- contracts for agencies in service design. I really loved that and actually like kind of that putting the user first and it kind of got me into technology a little bit more as well after that they made a role for me at Parkinson's UK. It was a case of, I was working there as a freelance designer for a bit and we were getting loads of phone calls from people saying, you know, what else is there tech-wise that we can use? You know, what would you recommend? And they were kind of a bit scared to recommend anything because actually it's right. it's quite dangerous. Like if you say there's an app that's really good for, you know, knowing when to take your medication mm. and that app stops getting updated by the developers mm-hmm. and it doesn't remind someone to take their meds, Which happens you're potentially in trouble. Exactly. So, you know, I could tell that they were a bit wary of it and I think we kind of, between us, decided that actually a good role for me would be to set something up that was going to be, you know, actually verifying whether those things are useful for people. So actually getting people with Parkinson's to test stuff, getting it tested officially for kind of, you know, whether it's safe data-wise, whether it's, um, you know, going to be kind of a sustainable business that's going to keep updating it, but actually getting it in the hands of people with Parkinson's and saying whether it's useful. So I basically I became devices and apps lead at Parkinson's UK and... and got to kind of play with apps and devices all day which is fantastic
1: It's a great job to be paid it's for awesome yeah <laughs> absolutely awesome do you get gadgets first as well or is it is it predominantly apps
2: predominantly apps we've tried a few gadgets we've kind of had some things that you put on shoes some things that are kind of like you know things you have in your house that talk to you we've had all sorts of things so I
1: think we did work with a girl a couple of years ago who would made a device called free feet Ooh. that you attach to your shoe and it reduces gait freezing as you walk if you've oh, really? got that's Parkinson's yeah it does always surprise me the number of things that you could do or could yeah. create but being able to test and review it I think is quite a handy framework so mm. you do have the accessibility frameworks for like websites and all that kind of stuff yeah. for, for screen readers but being able to do that for Parkinson's is something that would be nice to have that as mm. as part of like a widespread standard basically for saying that's this is something that we can improve
2: and I think that's where I, that's where I suddenly realise the real power of technology and that actually it can help people live fairly normal lives. I mean, I I feel like I'm actually still living a fairly independent life that I maybe would need more help with if there wasn't such a thing as technology.
1: What, What are the kind of top two things would you say... That someone should keep in mind when developing an app to keep it Parkinson's safe, I guess specifically. Simple, firstly, I think right. sometimes
2: they, they try and put too many features into one app. But it, I think everyone tries to create that all singing, all dancing app, and actually mm. the ones that we've had most successful have been on ones that are kind of like a single purpose right. app or, or solution. Also, if they cannot look daggy, daggy, like what's uh, daggy? You know that NHS plastic colour that's like that kind of brown um. colour. I mean, it's a medical item; it doesn't look sexy. Yeah. But actually, there's some people <laughs> inventing some really like sexy looking watches and things that actually look like nice timepieces don't forget that you're
1: designing for people that actually have taste as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who used to be graphic designers yeah weren't exactly you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're really fussy about this sort of thing so is there anything that you're excited about or anything that you wish existed as you're reviewing as, as you're looking through the apps and different things that come to you based on new trends so let's say ai because you can't do anything tech at the moment without mm, mentioning exactly. those two letters
2: there's a lot of tech for tech's sake, I think. I mm. think a lot of people it's a it's a case of like their managing director or someone I used to work for a, a chat bot startup that was um in FinTech mm. and basically we'd have so many banks come to us and go, Um, actually we want a chat bot and we'd say, Why do you want a chat bot? And they'd say, We just do. Our boss one, one. wants yeah. one because everyone <laughs> else has got one and then we'd say, That's not a reason, come back to us when you've got a proper reason. <laughs> Um, and I think that's that's the thing that concerns me a little bit about technology. I'm quite excited by the kind of way that technology can link up. I think like things like connected homes and stuff like that and I kind see. of smart items in the house. I'm quite intrigued by that as a thing that actually your house can kind of help you prepare for your day almost. Um, and I think as someone who... Maybe leaving the house is often a little bit difficult and a bit kind of time consuming and, you know, weather can affect me, whether I've taken my medication properly can affect me, whether I've eaten meat the day before can affect me. You know, if my fridge can communicate with my smart device and kind of, you know, tell what I've eaten and actually say, make suggestions around, you know, well, you've taken your medication late this morning and you had meat yesterday and it's raining, Mm. you might want to book an Uber. I think I want it all to kind of to help me to almost be that kind of thing that hovers above me and helps me see myself and my patterns and my life. I've actually got something in my house at the moment which is tracking my movement and when I leave the house and it, there's kind of a thing under my bed that, you know, knows when I'm sleeping and stuff. Right. So I can kind of look at my own patterns and try and see what I'm doing, what I'm doing wrong and when things are working, and when things aren't working. And it, with Parkinson's there's not very many patterns, but if you can find one and something works for you, then just keep doing it. Then because. You do need to. But I think I'm quite interested in that, kind of how everything links up, I think, to me, is, is the fascinating bit of the future.
1: It's time for a breather. Send me a message using the hashtag WomenTechCharge and please subscribe and rate on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You've come up with this idea called the Effort List. Effort Blog? Effort list blog. Blog. blog, yeah, yeah. Effort
2: Blog? Yeah. How would you describe it? It is bucket list with an f mm-hmm. it's a celebration of of a year where i am kind of trying loads of different things new things it has to be all stuff that i've not done before or not done since i was diagnosed so in the last right. six years um and it kind of was born out of a trip to new york i damaged my neck and i wasn't really sure how did well, you do something or sort of something happened itself. in your neck we yeah. don't really know. there was no kind of trigger point it just sort of happened my neck just gave up and decided it was going to fall asleep right and obviously new york is a very visual kind of Skyline City <laughs> and suddenly I was looking at the floor and I, I stood on this yellow arrow in a car park and thought this is my destiny like I've got to it's telling me to move forward which <laughs> is a standard bog basic yellow <laughs> arrow on a floor but I was it's like nice this is destiny York, yeah. Yeah. and so I took a picture of it and I came back and I thought I'm going to do something positive I'm going to stop because I'd got to the point I'd stopped saying yes to stuff I want to enjoy this year I don't want to keep saying I'll do it when my next better I'll do it when my next better because mm. it might not get better mm. Um so I'm doing so many different things just ridiculous plethora of things. I mean, one day I love the fact that I'll look at my calendar and I might be doing flower arranging one day, and then like shooting guns at a firing range the next day. And I just love the kind of the light and shade. I had,
1: it. I did have a look. There were quite a few random things on it that I thought there were are some quite, super random full, stuff. Yeah, that I thought were quite funny. But also, it's not completely full. So I was going to say, are you still taking ideas? People listening can they suggest things for definitely, you to put on
2: there? Definitely. So it'll be running until the end of the year. Um and
1: Basically, what I do is every time I get
2: poorly or something, I down tools and I kind of don't do it. I basically stop doing it for that period of time that I'm ill. And I had to really fight with myself with that because I'm such a perfectionist that I didn't want to break the 365 day pattern. But actually, it's meant that I've loved the project continuously. You should look back
1: really and is. do like Throwback Thursday or Throwback Tuesday. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so there's something on colour theory. Colours, what they mean, like how you use them and things like that. And I thought that was quite uh, interesting. But I'm also
2: going to go and have my colours red, which is about what colours you should wear. We were talking yeah.
1: about this because you've got, I've got grey hair. You've got purple and pink hair. Yeah. Which is slightly cooler than having the grey no, hair. No, it's not your hair's cool. Um, I think yours, co- yours is cooler. <laughs> um, but we were talking about this in the office yesterday, in the Smith's office. And you can't wear, the, they were saying you can't wear green with purple hair. I mean, I don't see that as being a thing. It's not a thing. But this is going to be even weirder because they're going to p- pick it off your personality and say... They
2: basically do it off your personality, but also they read your skin tone. So, like, I apparently... I think I've had it... My mum had it done, and she said that she thinks I'm a winter, which apparently means I should wear bright colours and blacks and stuff. I shouldn't wear, like, russet reds or yellow ochre and stuff. Really? like Really? Like the kind of but then public, but what happens if you
1: wear russet red? It, The world doesn't
2: end. I mean, it's all right. This
1: is the... Th- yeah, this is the thing that
2: confuses me. I think me people maybe just cover their eyes a bit if they're not into that. They yeah, wear sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. What
1: are the ones that you're looking back? So you've done 230 odd, Around 250 that, yes. odd. Yeah. Looking back, what have been some of your favourite things? Flower arranging
2: was actually really lovely. It kind of took me back to that kind of hands on making things sort of approach. It's a nice medium to work in. Did you do it with the watch? I did some calligraphy the other day with the watch, uh, actually. That was great fun. No You could way. see, like, some of the slight tremor from the, the, the vibration, like, that in must the pen add thing. to it. I was
1: going to say, you should make, like, a font, like, to have it add to your creative process. Yeah. I'm sure for calligraphy, that'd that be could awesome. be, like, a, yeah. an effect. Yeah, that'd be cool. I feel like there's an art theme or art genre waiting to be born. Parkinson's art.
2: Yeah. Do you know what? It's the thing actually. People when they start taking the medication they become super creative. My old nurse that I used to have she had this whole wall of paintings and poetry and everything that people are just Sent her, you know, it just brings out the has kind of
1: been boosted. Superpower been yeah. boosted, yeah. Is there any that you can tell us kind of exclusively you will be doing that you haven't yet released?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Well, actually, so I'm actually joining an incubator, Ooh. a business incubator nice. called Zinc. And they oh, bring, I've heard of them. You've heard of Zinc. Zinc
1: yeah. VC, yeah. They do challenges, right? Mission led, yeah. yeah. So basically, like instead all... of going in
2: with like a business, you go in to solve a, a societal problem. So yeah. the problem we're going to be solving is um, kind of elderly care I guess, kind of right. the last five years of people's life making them happier and there's this whole digital divide of people mm. not feeling comfortable using technology and social isolation and things like that I think is a really big deal. So
1: dot everyone, I don't know if you if it's kind of been part of your research for it, but dot mm. everyone did that a couple of years ago, working with the NHS and looking at tech for for end of life yeah. care and how that is something that's neglected and Just, it is yeah. something that Weirdly enough it's not really been on anyone's priority but mm. still those are people that are kind of big users of the NHS exactly. um and there's there's still ways that tech can help at the end of yeah. end of end of life yeah, definitely
2: those are my family members that are older that use technology definitely feel less isolated because mm. they you know even if so they don't talk on Facebook or something they can see that people are chatting and you know it's they can kind of they see know what's, what's going happening. on yeah
1: there was also something that they did around being able to communicate kind of the notes with certain members of the family yeah. um and friends, but then also with healthcare professionals. Yeah. I think there's quite a lot around that. So that really then, because if you're not able to explain everything that's no, happening, exactly. then at least having a device yeah, or a piece of tech that so. could that could do that for you. So there's quite a lot that's yeah. kind of ripe for the picking. I think. Yeah, space. I think there's, I'm
2: really really excited about kind of starting that. So I think there'll be tons of new stuff coming through that. I mean, I'm just going to be doing something new every day, but I'm going to have to pepper it with other stuff, or people <laughs> are going to get bored. But
1: uh, yeah, I'm really excited to kind of start that. Which I think is almost a nice place to end this, but it's. There's there's a there's a lesson or there's something to be said for kind of that inclusivity in tech, mm. meaning lots of things, yes, and meaning all kinds of people and all kinds of conditions and all kinds of situations being included. At certain points, there's always going to be times when you haven't got full
2: use of your whole body, or mm. and I think if you kind of almost design for what is the lowest common lowest common denominator but actually the most challenging audience first then it's going to work for everyone else and i think that's yeah. a good, really good place to start. absolutely
1: i think that's the other thing that i think i i wonder how funny or how far away we, we are going to go with some of that med tech and diagnosis side mm. of things i think it's part of the human condition that everyone's got something wrong with them yeah because there's no there's no like the average doesn't really exist no so it's everyone you know everyone's nose is either too long or whatever it might be <sighs> right and so it's you got to build for the extremities yeah. that you might have for human beings. So the other thing that you end up seeing as well is kind of the hidden yeah, disabilities. Yeah. So like I've got a condition that means that there were there are days sometimes when I can't leave the house or I mm. can't move my right arm. So actually I've been at work before unable to move my right arm mm. for a di- very different reason. Yeah. But it's that thing of. I don't know, I think we're going to end up seeing it as superpowers and counting it that way and then there'll be certain people who maybe are able to ignore their power and kind of hide that base Mm. for longer but this appreciation that everyone is able-bodied or everyone is not able-bodied and we're all in the same group. Everyone's
2: a human, everyone's a person and everyone has flaws and issues and challenges in different ways and I think if you see people like that it makes it easier to design for people because you mm. realize that you know everyone's facing something whether it's a conditional just day-to-day life being busy or
1: so it's that highest common factor not the lowest common factor. Yeah. Denominator. Highest, yeah. Hey. superpowers. Buzz, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs>